Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Amen. Thank you, gang. What an exciting morning. Amen. Great start to a church service. Great singing and exciting news of people being saved and uh, guests and visitors being with us here at Open Bible this morning. And uh, boy, you can't get much better than that. Amen? Praise the Lord. If you are visiting with us, we're really honored to have you here today. and trust you enjoy the fellowship. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm prob- assuming that somebody's already shaken your hand or grabbed a hold of you and welcomed you. If not, then we'll get you on the way out, I promise. You know, but uh, we're sure glad that you're here. I want to welcome two special ladies to uh, the services this morning, and they're well known here. One is Nettie. Whitcraft and the others, Mary Wells. It's good to have them. We plucked them out of Florida for this weekend. Good to see you, ladies. You heard them come in, didn't you? <laughs> Usually before you see them, you hear them. I love those two ladies. I pastored them in Florida for a few years, and uh, what a highlight. They were, they're the kind of members that make your life fun, you know, and uh, get with the preaching, and they even laugh at jokes that aren't funny, and they're the kind of members you like, and so we're glad they're here today. They were in for a special weekend for the Fenton family. Of course, we congratulate Andrew and, and Riley on their engagement. They're going to be married, I think, what, two years? <laughs> two years from now, is what Bob told me uh, over the weekend, so praise the Lord for that. Hey, uh, we got a phone call this morning from uh, Dr. Ray. Dr. Ray is a local chiropractor and has a, a, a real good connection with Open Bible, um, I believe, now I'm probably off with this a little bit, but I think uh, Open Bible may have started on her grandfather's land. Is that right, Miss Honey? I think that's somewhere accurate. And, but anyway, she called to ask for the church to pray for her family. Her daughter, or granddaughter, her daughter. Her daughter, Bree, went into labor this morning, and she's only at 22 weeks. And so, um, of course, you know what the prayer there is for God to just keep keep that baby comfortable and in place um, for a while. So would you pray for Bree? And then also we were told that uh, her husband, Steve, um, had a heart attack, pretty, pretty serious heart attack over the last couple of weeks. And uh, he's, he's recovering, doing well. But uh, I think she had said something to the effect that um, he should have never even made it through. Is that right, Tyler? Is that what she told you? So pray for, for Dr. Ray and, uh, and their family, if you would, okay? Again, we're glad you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to join me in the 23rd Psalm. That's where we began last week. That's where we'll begin this week. And we took notice in this psalm how the psalmist in verse number 5 makes a declaration. And, uh, and here's what he said, verse number 5, the very, the very last thing. He said, my cup runneth over. We talked about that a little bit last week, right? Now, this is a great psalm, isn't it? 23rd Psalm? It's probably, I don't know, do you think, would you agree with me that it's probably one of the most famous of all psalms? 
I mean, you find it a lot of different places, even in places where you wouldn't expect it. You see the 23rd Psalm, and many have gained a great comfort through the 23rd Psalm. Well, the psalmist here in this text of Scripture, it says in verse number 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Now, let's pause for a second and just look at them, them words. He didn't say, he didn't say, my cup is filled. I think this, if your cup is filled, we would say, that's good, Right? Uh, it would have been good if the psalmist would have said, Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup is filled. We often pray uh, to the Lord and ask the Lord to fill us, right? Lord, fill us to our brim. I mean to tell you from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head, I'd ask you to fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. And that's a great prayer. And the psalmist said, but the psalmist didn't say, my cup is filled. That would have been good. He said, my cup runs over, and I would say, that's better. That's better. Uh, we would call that overflow. Say amen right there. Amen. Overflow. And in this context, now listen to this carefully. In this context, overflow is good. And I look back there and I see Brother Zeller. And I would say in this context, overflow is good. And they know what that's about. They had a pretty serious flood in their home. That was not good overflow. In that context, you don't want overflow. But in this context, you want overflow because what the psalmist is hinting to here is living under the abundant blessing of Almighty God. Overflow. And we spoke a little bit about that last week. Jesus said it this way in John chapter number 10. Jesus said in verse number 10, he said, I've come that they might have life and life more abundant. Or in other words, he's saying the same thing. He's saying that we, we, we want you, the Godhead desires for you, uh, the body of Christ, to live under the abundant blessings of God or living in the overflow living in the overflow. So, what does it look like to live in the overflow? Remember we talked about that last week? What does it look like? Well, here's what we tried to do. We tried to lay a foundation last week as to what it might look like. How would we go about living our life in the overflow or under the abundant blessings of Almighty God? And we laid this foundation, and, and here's, here's, what, here's what we said. It, 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 it will take at least three things at least three things, to live in the uh, overflow of life or under the ab abundant blessings of the Lord. The first thing it will take is understanding. The second thing is obedience. And the third thing is gratitude. If you and I, if we are going to live in the overflow, if we are going to live under the abundant blessings of Almighty God, we're going to have to understand some things. We're going to have to live an obedient lifestyle and we're going to have to develop in our heart a gratitude just because we know God is good and that God loves us. And if we can begin to develop mm, uh, in our lives, you know, those, those areas, I really do believe we will begin then to live in the overflow. Let me ask you a question. Uh, have you ever taken a look at life progression? Somebody, somebody say, huh? Have you ever taken a look at life progression? For example, uh, have you ever paused 
looked at your life and asked yourself this question, so where will I be in five years? Where will I be in five years? Think about that for a second. Have you ever done that? How many, how many have done that? Where will I be in five years? It's called life progression, right? Now think about this. Uh, let, let's, ma- let's make it more specific, okay, because that can go in any area, right? Let's look at it this way. Where will I be in five years, pay attention right here, spiritually? Where will I be in five years, life progression, because life is going to go on with or without us. <laughs> Isn't that right? You know, uh, you may like to pause and say, boy, this is a great time. Mm, this is just a great time in my life. My kids are at a great age. You know, uh, everything seems to be going well. If I can just put the pause button on right here, it would be wonderful. But we don't get a chance to do that, do we? Now, life, life just goes on. And there will be, if the Lord tarries and if you and I hang around, there will be a few more years coming down the road, and we'll get to five years from now. Where will you be spiritually five years from now if, now pay attention to this, this is big, uh, if, you're, if, if you're doing what you're doing right now. Based upon what you're doing right now, where will you be spiritually five years from now? Somebody say, oh boy. Some might say this, and some might say, it would be my desire, based upon what I'm doing right now, it would be my desire to be closer to the Lord. Five years from now, I would hope that my life, um, I, I just become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ, that I resemble Him. Some might say five years from now, I would hope that, man, I'm just, I'm just really, you know, serving God at whatever level God would want me to be serving Him. However, however, there's always a however. However, if you are hit and miss spiritually now, in five years, you'll probably just be miss. Oh, I thought that was so good. I mean, if, look here. If you're hit and miss right now with your, with your spiritual life, you know what I mean by that? Uh, sometimes you, you do and sometimes you don't and apply that to whatever you want. Church attendance, your personal walk with God, your service, it's up and down, it's hit and miss, it's hot or cold. You know, sometimes I'm on fire, sometimes I'm not. You know, I really have no middle ground. If that's you spiritually today and you make no changes in five years, you won't even be hit. You'll be missed. Huh? Think about this, and I don't want to depress you this morning, I promise. It's not my aim. But where will you be five years from now financially? Uh-oh, somebody just... Where will you be financially? I mean, some might be saying this, well, Pastor, I would hold five years from now that I'm, I'm going to be financially free. Now, let me caution and, and remind us, there's a vast difference between being financially free and financially secure. Huh? I would love to be financially secure, but I've been working for a long time now to be financially free, meaning I am not consumed by, controlled by, overwhelmed by, you know it, debt. And so, in the next five years, it is my plan, it is my goal, I am going to work hard at getting out of debt. However, 
However, there might be some who in five years, you're just in over your head and you're still living paycheck to paycheck. It's called life progression. Huh? The psalmist said, the psalmist said, man, God's been so good to me. He anoints my head with oil and my cup is running over. I am living under the abundant blessing of Almighty God. Well, how could you say that? Because I have a pretty good understanding of things. And that's where we're going to look at today. Just understanding, nothing more than that. Understanding. Understanding obedience and gratitude. We'll look at those two weeks to come. But today I want to focus on understanding because there's something there we need to understand. Uh, how many of you remember this principle? In fact, put up the Bible verse if you would. Whoever's working the slides there, Galatians chapter 6, put that up there. You remember this Bible verse? Let's, let's read it together. You ready? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Right? So now I don't know how, pay attention right here. I don't know how you break that down, but let's agree that there's just one common definition, one common explanation to that Bible verse, and that is this, you and I will reap what we sow. Can we agree on that at least? I'm not sure what version of the Bible you might use, but, but the bottom line is when you look at Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, I think we'd agree the explanation there is a simple one, and God is simply saying this, don't kid yourself, don't fool yourself, don't deceive yourself. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Right? You see that? All right. So, let me ask you this question. Pay attention right here. Do you like what you're reaping right now? Let's slow that down for a moment. Yeah, real quiet. Every one of us right now, take a look at your life and ask yourself this question. Do I like what I'm reaping right now? And I would say to you this, if you don't like what you're reaping, you need to, you need to change what you're sowing. Yeah. Well, again, I really thought that was better than you're letting on. That's the fact. That is the fact. You only reap what you sow. If you don't like what you're reaping, then what do you do? Huh? No, you got to sow. Everybody's sowing something. You got to change what you're sowing. Right? Look here. Looking at it through that lens, doesn't that make sense? Come on now. Doesn't that make sense? Huh? If I don't like what I'm reaping, then I need to change what I'm sowing. And I'll guarantee you this. I, I've not taken a poll. I didn't ask anybody before they came in this question. But I'll guarantee you this. There's people sitting in this room right now. You don't like what you're reaping. Huh? You say, well, how, 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 how? Here, here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hope that things change. I want to tell you something. Hope doesn't change life. Habits change life. Hope will never change you, but habits will. Huh? I read this last week, or I heard this last week. Uh, flip that up, if you would, guys, where it says, when we're born, we look like our mom and dad. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, 
I don't know why, but Mrs. Yanizzi and I have four children, and I was in the birthing room, believe it or not, for all four of them. I almost needed more attention than Mrs. Yanizzi did. <laughs> it wasn't a pleasant experience, uh, but all four of them, you know? And so that meant this. I was there when Dr. Who's It brought out Nicole, who was my firstborn, and Amanda, who was our baby, and the two in between, all four of them. I saw him bring them little ones out of my, my wife's womb. And I didn't say one time, she looks like me. <laughs> huh? I thought, I think, I, I think it was our son when he was born. I thought to myself, oh, my soul, he's the ugliest kid I've ever seen in my life. Then they brought him back in and cleaned him up. I thought they exchanged babies in the nursery. I, that's not the same kid that I saw a moment ago. Huh? <laughs> but you get it, right? You get it. Because if you look at my children now, my wife and I, there's resemblances. And so when you're born, you look like your mom and dad. However, now get this, and this is no joke. Flip it. When you die, you look like your habits. Get your phone out. Take a shot of that. When you're born, you may look like your mom and dad, but when you die, you look like your habits. Huh? And I'll tell you what we need to do sometimes in life is we need to change our habits. If you want to live, and I don't know why you wouldn't want to live under the abundant blessing of Almighty God. I'm not sure why you wouldn't want to live in the overflow. But if you want to, then you might have to change some of your habits. And there are some things that you and I, we might really need to come to understand. Uh, I said this last week, and I liked it, and it wasn't in my notes. And so when I finished the message, I went back in, I wrote it in my notes. And I said this, if, if you're not courageous enough to live uh, in the overflow, at least get close to someone who is, so you might get hit by the splash of their blessing. <laughs> Did you ever get splashed by somebody else's blessing? I have many times. Huh? In the right place, you know, man, God is working. I've been in church services where I had nothing to do with it. You know, I wasn't preaching. I wasn't on the schedule. I didn't pray. I just showed up, and all of a sudden, I'm getting splashed. So, if you're not courageous enough or willing enough to get yourself mm, under the overflow or live in the overflow, at least get close to somebody who is so that maybe you'll get splashed by their blessing. But I'd encourage you today to come to a better understanding and get yourself in the overflow. Live in the overflow of life. I drive those guys crazy, don't I? Uh, they're all over the place putting, pushing buttons up there. So, Let's talk about that just, just, just for a little bit. Uh, last week, I gave you four words that are common in Scripture, Old and New Testament, mostly new. Find them a lot in 1 John. Four words that are common, and they kind of link together. And the four words are simply this, that ye may know. Did you ever, did you ever see that? That ye may know. You may know. That ye may know. You may... Top of the list, top of the list, God wants us to know that we can be saved. Right? That's top of the list. I mean, if there's only one thing that God would ever want you or I to know, He wants us to know that we can have eternal life. God wants us to know that we can be saved. And then from that point, from that spot, flows all the other blessings. 
you know, and we can, man, I mean, we can take uh, a while to go over that. Understanding is, is, is just integral to overflow. Understanding, understanding. So let me break it down. Understanding what? Let me give you three quick thoughts, and I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to make them uh, easy to remember, okay? The first one is this. We need to understand God's promises, God's promises. Uh, that can be tricky. That can be tricky. Why is that? Because I think this, and pay attention to this. What we believe, I think we believe this. We believe that God wants his best for us. How many would say I agree with that? God wants his best for us. I believe that, Pastor, without a doubt. However, I think we neglect to understand what is best for us. Did you get that? I think we, we stand up right now and agree, Pastor, I, I really do in my heart believe that God wants what's best for me. But I'm not sure if we'd agree with that second statement. And the second statement is this, I'm, I, I don't know if I know what's best for me. Because a lot of times I think we think we know what's best. <laughs> yeah? And so when you come, when you look, when you, when you look at those two, those two conclusions, you, you have to admit sometimes there's a great gap between what you think is best for you and what God thinks is best for you, right? And so that's when you come to this understanding uh, of God's promises because many times we've anchored ourselves into a promise without really understanding the promise. I mean, we're claiming something from Scripture and then we're holding on to it but we really don't understand what it is we're claiming or holding on to. Does that make sense? I love it when you really get quiet. And, 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 and maybe it could be we're trusting in a faulty interpretation of that promise. Did you ever do that? I have. Uh, and so I think we need to understand some things about God's promises. Let me, let me just give you the tip of the iceberg. If you're taking notes, this might be noteworthy. A uh, few things about claiming God's promises. First, you need to study the Word of God. Because there's some Christians, there's some of us that don't even really know what God promises. What, what, is, what does He promise to me? I like talking about the promises of God, and every once in a while in Bible study, we'll say, How many are there? And it all depends, I guess, on who you're studying, who the commentary uh, is written by, who the commentator is, but uh, literally thousands of promises in the Bible. The Bible's filled with promises, you know? Huh? And so, the, 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 the first way to understand a promise is to read your Bible. And maybe, I know there's some people here, you get a highlighter and and for, for promises, you highlight it yellow. And for, I don't know, you know, rules, you highlight it red. And, you know, for blessings, you highlight it green. Whatever you have to do, read your Bible so you understand that there are promises in the Bible that God has made to you. Secondly, I think this. I think you need to place that promise in its context. So what's that mean? You know what context is? Context is everything sometimes. You know, they said, oh, wait, wait, yeah, see, they said that, but they took it out of context. They only used, they only used, you know, you, 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 you wrote a paragraph, they used three words. And they took those three words out of context. So when you're claiming a promise, you need to make sure you understand, pay attention to this, the background 
of that promise, right? The historical, the cultural, you know, the, the, the spiritual connection of that promise to you and I. Because, you know, look, you're reading in the Old Testament, and sometimes God is, specific, is specifically speaking to Israel and promising them, a spe- and it may not really pertain at all to us. Now, there are some, man, it's just the Word of God, Israel or not. It's for you and I. But, man, you could be anchoring your soul into a faulty interpretation, and before long you start getting little, little sideways with God. Why? Because you don't understand the promise. If, you, if, you, if, if, if you're with me, say something. Amen. All right, good. Here's another thought. Uh, this might be the biggest. Trust in God's sovereignty. Amen. Trust in God's sovereignty. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? Here, here's what I mean by that. Uh, sometimes these promises are answered or, or given or dispersed in other ways than you expected. Huh? You might be praying, here's a simple thought, you might be praying, you know, God said this, seek ye first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And so you got some needs, you know, and maybe, I, maybe you, 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 your funds are just, you know, running out and you can't even, you can't even afford to, to, to buy food. And so you begin to pray for God to give you money, but he doesn't give you money. He sends somebody by your house with food. Huh? And man, you see them at your doorstep and they got bags of groceries and you're too prideful to open up the door. Hello? God's sovereignty. We can go a lot of ways with that. But if you and I are going to live in the overflow under the abundant blessings of Almighty God, there's some things that we must understand. And one of those things is the promises of God. I think this, you can add to the list, uh, live in obedience. But we'll talk about that next time. And then testify and share with others of God's goodness to you. You know, I mean to tell you, when God comes through, when God blesses, you know, when God rains his his blessing upon you, man, tell everybody about it because if you give him glory, he's prone to maybe do something else for you. But if all you do is bicker and complain, I'll tell you what, I think God's tired of hearing it. I know others are. Say amen right there. The overflow. To live in the overflow, we must understand the promises of God. May I give you a second thought? And I'll speed this up. Uh, God's prohibitions. God's prohibitions. So, to live in the overflow, under the abundant blessing, you have to understand some things. God's promises, God's prohibitions. So, we agree that our God is good. And... He knows what's best and wants what's best for us. Say amen right there. Man, I agree with you, preacher. God's good and God loves me and he wants what's best for me. So you know what he does sometimes? He places boundaries around our life. Help help me here. Well, you were so excited a moment ago. God's good and God loves me. And God wants to bless me, and God knows what's best for me. And as a parent, you know what he does? He places boundaries around our life. A prohibition. We'll say, he'll say in the Bible, very, 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 very clearly marked. Don't do that. I wouldn't go there. Huh? Aren't you glad he never comes back and says, so how'd that, how'd that work out for you? 
<laughs> he don't rub it in your face, so to speak, right? I had somebody call me this week, a dear, dear preacher friend of mine, and, and I said, so how you doing? He said, terrible. And he said, if anybody had a right to say, I told you so, it's you right now. And I said, I would never say that to you. I wouldn't even think it, especially when you're going through a crisis time in your life. In fact, he's going through a crisis time this morning. So I would ask you to pray for a preacher friend of mine as you sit there this morning. Uh, nonetheless, instead of getting bogged down with the actions, because look here, if you read your Bible, and if you're faithful, read your Bible, you know there's some things that God says, thou shalt not. Right or wrong? Huh? And I can take you to many places. I don't want to bog you down with the actions or the prohibitions. Let me just chat with you for a moment about the reasons. The reasons. So God says, man, you want to live under the overflow? You want my blessing upon your life? Well, then, here are some boundaries. And there are many. But why? Why? What's the reason for the boundaries or the prohibitions? Top reason? Number one reason. If there were a top ten, number one, why has God put boundaries around us? Parents, why do you put boundaries around your children? Because you love them. You love them. God loves us. And so God does some things. He shares some things. He encourages us. He tries to teach us some areas where it's just not going to be good for us. He loves us. Hello? You've got four children and one sitting right there, and she'll tell you through the years, there were some times when, when she would say, Dad, can I? And I would say, I, I don't think so. And she'd say, why not? And there were times, honestly, when I would say to her, I'm not sure. It's just not sitting right with me. And like all teenagers or young people, the other response was, well, everybody else is going or doing or, right? And that may have been true. I don't think it was everybody else, because I wasn't doing it, and I'm an everybody. And I remember saying to her, but I'm not everybody else's parent, and you're not everybody else's child, and you're going to have to trust me on this one. I'm not saying no to make your life miserable. Where's all the young people? I can't say this about all your parents because I don't know them that well. But most of us don't say no to make your life miserable. We say no because we understand a little bit more. I know you think we're the dumbest people on earth until you reach about 24 or 5. And then we become so smart all of a sudden. But when you're a teenager, you know you know more than we do. At least you think you do. And so God puts these boundaries around us simply because he loves us. He loves us. Can I give you another reason? <laughs> because he wants us to live under the fountainhead of blessing. And if you go and cross over that line, if you break through that, that hedge, if there's no blessing on that side. Huh? Do you remember, do you remember what it says over there in uh, Ecclesiastes? You know, that God puts a hedge because, you know, there's serpents out there, and God puts a hedge back. But if you break through the hedge, you might get bit by a serpent. Did you ever read that? It's pretty good reading. God puts a hedge about us. I always remember this is as old as the hills, and I don't really know how old the hills are. But I remember this illustration a preacher shared, oh, man, I'm telling you, back in the 80s, and I never forgot it, about something to do with this. Uh, boundaries and whatever, back then, you're called standards. I'm sorry, I just cussed, didn't I? Huh. Remember standards? 
Remember when the church used to have standards? <laughs> so primitive. But I remember him saying, you know, he had, he talked about this fellow who had a, a, ha- a row home in Philly and, 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 and in the back of the house had this little caged-in yard and he had this little chihuahua. And he let that, are chihuahuas dogs or what are they? Uh, and that little chihuahua would go out in the yard and man, he'd prance around that yard like chihuahua and bark and chirp and chirp and chirp. And if you could interpret dog chirp, here's what that chihuahua was saying. I cannot believe my owner put this fence in this yard to keep me from enjoying all that's out there. And I mean every day, chirp, 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 every, just complaining about that fence, complaining. And then one day he went out and on the other side of that fence, staring in was a Doberman. And if you could interpret dog chirp, that little chihuahua said, thank you for this fence. Uh, Isn't that simple? But sometimes it's just those simple things that drive the point home. God loves us and wants us to live under his abundant blessing. And so he just warns us about some things that we, huh? (laughs) Make sense? I hope you're taking this in this morning. He wants us to be blessed. I think this, when you look at prohibitions, in that respect, it really makes sense. Huh? God's not trying to, you know, quench my, man, all of this and I can't enjoy it. Oh, there's plenty to enjoy. There's just some things that you think you're going to enjoy. No, they're going to enjoy you more than you enjoy them. You'll get that later. And so, prohibitions. Can I give you one final thought? In order to live under the fountainhead of God's blessing or in the overflow, living in the overflow, we must understand God's procedures. God's procedures. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to narrow down the discussion. Last week said this, God's blessing. You know, when God blesses, he's deliberate. Correct? He's deliberate. God blesses deliberately. Right? Uh, we, we said this, there are some promises that are conditional. You know what that means? That means in order to receive the, the blessing of that promise, there are certain things that we must do, right? Same thing with overflow. Overflow, living in the overflow, same exact thing. Uh, let me just sum it up with this. Living in the overflow takes faith. Faith. We'll talk about obedience next Sunday, I promise you. But faith. And, and not just any kind of faith. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this word down, unshakable faith. Unshakable faith. Everybody in this room this morning has faith in something, some object in something. Some has stronger faith. Most people in this room this morning have faith in God, faith in His Word, faith in... But is your faith unshakable? Is it unshakable? And I know the first, very first thing you're telling yourself is, sure, sure, I've been through something, sure. But are you living in the overflow? Are you living in the overflow? Are you, are, are, you, are you happy with what you're reaping? See, unshakable faith is faith that's not moved by circumstance. Because you know as well as I, life is filled with circumstances and not all of them are pleasant. And we don't invite these things into our lives. They just come, you know. They don't even knock at the door, man. They just come right in. Set up shop in your living room. Who are you? Circumstance. Who's that? Another circumstance. How about that part? That's, that's cousin circumstance. 
Who's that old? That's old lady circumstance or grandma circumstance. I mean, they bring the whole family and they just park right in your living room. Hello? And they have the tendency of shaking us, right? Come on now, be honest. What God wants us to do is develop unshakable faith, unshakable faith. And an unshakable faith is, now get this, it's rooted in understanding. And what we understand is God's love and God's power over our lives. God loves me. He'll never hurt me. And God has the power to change anything at any time in my life if he so chooses. That's unshakable faith. <laughs> Amen? Living in the, see, living in the overflow is a determination. It's a, it's a determination. And not just a decision, but a commitment to, abundant, to an abundant lifestyle. I'm committed to it. Uh, I'm not going to say at the end of the service this morning, so how many of us would like to say, oh, Lord, I want to live in the overflow? Who wouldn't? Huh? No, no. But who's willing to make a commitment to live in the overflow? That's different, Pete. That's a different way of looking at it. Huh? So let me take you back to the beginning, and I'm finished. If you don't like what you're reaping, you need to change what you're sowing. And if you want God's blessing upon your life, you need to live in the overflow. And in order to live in the overflow, there's some things you have to understand. God's promises, prohibitions, and procedures. And I can go on and on and on with that list, but that's a pretty good place to start. Don't you agree? Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you can give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.